Welcome back to Brain and Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy by people with epilepsy for everyone. I'm your host, David Clifford. In this episode, we cover RNS. Uh, David, we already covered this. What do you mean? Remember, in episode 34, comedian and advocate Mike Knox came on the show to cover. That was VNS. This episode is all about RNS. Oh, continue. RNS is described as a pacemaker for the brain. See? We covered this. I'm looking at the script and it says VNS is considered, quote, the pacemaker for the brain, end quote. I promise that VNS and RNS are two totally different technologies. If you've already heard episode 34, by the end of this episode, you'll be able to compare and contrast the two treatments. If you're new to Brain Place, I'm not a medical expert. I use this podcast to share what I've learned through almost three decades of seizures. Only 70% of our epilepsy community can control their seizures through medication alone. That leaves 30% of us with intractable or medically resistant epilepsy. Although there are more than 30 different types of anti-seizure medications, large studies have shown that after the second failed anti-seizure medication, the odds of finding a new medication that could prevent one's seizures falls off dramatically. When medication fails, we have to look at other alternatives to help prevent our seizures. We've already talked about a couple of these treatments on the show. In today's episode, we describe another, Responsive Neurostimulation for Seizures, or RNS. One of the ways that doctors categorize seizures is where the seizure starts, originates in our brains. A generalized seizure starts on both halves of the brain. On the other hand, a focal seizure originates in one or more foci. The people at Neuropace Incorporated, the company that invented the RNS system, asked the question, could we stop a focal seizure if we saw it? Neuropace's RNS system encompasses four distinct parts that all work together in synchronization to prevent seizures. The first is a credit card sized smart device that is implanted under the scalp so it is level with the skull. Connected to the smart device are leads or tiny wires. They are inserted into the brain at the exact foci of one's seizures. The smart device monitors the brain 24-7 looking for errant brain activity. This information is saved locally on the smart device. Using a wand, one can download the saved data onto software running on a computer. Everyone's seizures are a bit different, so this data from our brains is too. Doctors use this data to program the smart device. The doctor dictates how the smart device should respond to errant brain activity. Once it is programmed, the RNS system can recognize errant brain activity through the leads, use the necessary programming from the doctor to determine what type of response should occur, then apply the response by stimulating the brain at the exact origination of the seizure. Essentially, the RNS system can stop a very tiny seizure from spreading. It works so quickly and so well that in most cases, the person with the RNS system cannot feel the effects of the seizure or the stimulation before it is gone. The system automatically tracks the use of the magnet, and they can be another variable that the doctors use to program the smart device. As you may have already noticed, the device only works for focal seizures. However, there are a lot of us that have focal to bilateral tonic-clonic seizures. That's when a focal seizure starts in one location, but spreads quickly to encompass both halves of the brain, resulting in a generalized seizure. The RNS system has been shown to stop these types of seizures as well by preventing the focal seizure spread before it jumps to both halves of the brain. Another treatment for intractable focal epilepsy is resection surgery, which I had in 2017. A neurosurgeon elegantly removed a portion of my brain with the hope that it would prevent my seizures. Though the surgery worked for me, I often ask myself what would have happened if it hadn't. You see, my brain is forever changed from that surgery. There's no going back. A great thing about the RNS system is that it's non-destructive to the brain. At any time, the implant can be deactivated or even removed. 
An available option is to implant the RNS system with the hope that it will prevent the seizures, and if it fails to do so, then fall back to resection surgery later. For many people, it is a great intermediate step along the road to seizure freedom. In fact, because the RNS system can observe much more data than a traditional scalp EEG, the system can be used to learn even more about where in the brain a person's seizures start. Even if the RNS system cannot prevent one's seizures, it can be a valuable tool to refine the search for the exact origination point if the surgery is required later. Plus, there's no wires like an ambulatory EEG. Many of you have expressed interest in learning more about the RNS system. That is why I invited Michael McKenna from Neuropace Incorporated. You actually have the Neuropace RNS system installed, right? Correct. I've had it for about 12 and a half years. So I've been in the um, research study is how I've had my device for so long. So can you describe the surgery process to actually get your RNS system in place? Sure. Um, so it's, uh, uh, everyone is different, like with the, how long the surgery lasts, but what the um, surgeon will do is they will use a template, the same outline as the RNS device itself. And they will use that template to remove a section of bone from the skull, the same outline as the device. In the place of the bone, they put a titanium tray that's securely attached to the skull. And that tray is recessed so that when they put the RNS device within that tray, it sits flush with the bone. It doesn't protrude out of the head. There's no bump or anything. So no one can tell that anyone has anything in their head. The tray and the device do not touch the brain right there. The only part of the RNS device are, that touches the brain are the ends of the two electrical leads that are placed over the area where the seizures are originated from. Um, so it's, it's usually a could be a four to six hour surgery. Um, it's a one night stay in the hospital and discharge the second day. First few days, majority of patients are getting over the effects of anesthesia. Um, you know, so they might be tired or have a headache. Um, pain meds take care of any pain the first few days. And then um, usually like day four, day five on, majority of patients can switch to Tylenol to take care of any itchiness where the nerves are regrowing along the skin incision site. I had my device put in in the first week and a half of me starting a college, um, what I thought would be just a two-year college degree. Um, a week and a half later after surgery, I was back in college, back in classes. Um, so that was the recovery for me. Um, and that's, that's average, usually about two weeks after surgery. Um, most people are back at work, back in college, back doing what they were doing before surgery, um, before getting the RNS device. How many foci or maximum number of foci can people actually have that are causing the problem where Neuropace can actually help with that? So it's approved for one to two seizure foci. For example, in me, I have my seizures are coming from both temporal lobes. So I have electrical leads on both of my temporal lobes. That's really interesting. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that this is only for one temporal lobe um, at a time. You know, it's interesting that you actually have one RNS device that affects both lobes. You know, the ends of those electrical leads, there are four contacts at the end of those leads. And those contacts can be programmed to either monitor the brain in that region or provide stimulation um, through those contacts. And they can adjust the stimulation parameters so that one contact can talk to another contact, one lead can talk to another lead. So it can cover a different region of the brain, like a wider area. 
Um, so it's kind of unlimited on the stimulation parameters that it can do. RNS system is an adjunctive therapy, meaning that it works together with your other treatments for your seizures. Um, so just like medications, you know, medications are palliative care. The RNS system, the therapy is palliative care. You're treating the symptoms. So it's not a seizure cure. Um, so with that said though, um, getting the RNS system, the goal is to help a patient get to the lowest dosage, lowest number of medications that work safely for their seizure type. So the doctors will use the data over time to adjust medications and possibly get, off, get patients off one or two medications if they're on multiple meds. It's done over time. So it could be three months, six months uh, making those adjustments. But the goal is to try to get the, help the patient get to the lowest dosage, lowest number of medications that work for them. The RNS system has to monitor and apply, and it has to be essentially tweaked by a doctor afterwards. So tell me more about that process. Like, how easy is it for most people? So when the RNS device is put in in the operating room, the device is turned on only to record. Um, it's not the stimulation is not turned on in the operating room. So for the first month, all the RNS device is doing is monitoring the brain in the region where the leads are placed. And when it sees any abnormal activity, which it knows it's seizure activity, what it will do is it will make these enhanced brain recordings of that seizure activity. So once the device recognizes a seizure, the device will go backwards 60 seconds in time, goes forward 30 and stores a 90 second kind of enhanced EEG recording of that seizure. Um, you can think of those as your seizure fingerprints, like what your seizures look like. So over time, what the doctors will do is using those recordings, they can tell the RNS device where to provide stimulation along that EEG timeline. Um, so over time, uh, what happens is the person's seizures starts to get shorter in length and less severe is because the device is starting to recognize the seizure earlier. You know, the RNS device is considered a smart device, but it is only as smart as what it's told to look for. So that's where the epileptologist will tell the device where along those EEG timelines to provide stimulation. Um, usually about one month after surgery, that's when stimulation is turned on based on that prior month of seizure recordings. How do you um, get the information off the device? How often do you have to actually upload your stuff? When a patient's discharged from the hospital after surgery, they are given a RNS laptop computer. It's also referred to as a remote monitor. Um, this laptop isn't a laptop that you can surf the internet with. It's just more a storage unit for your RNS data. Um, the way you get the data from the device in your head to that laptop is there is this handheld wand that plugs into a USB port on the laptop. You can hold that wand over the device, hit a button on the laptop, and then all the data on your RNS device in your head gets transferred and stored on the laptop computer. We ask patients in the beginning to do that data transfer once a day. Um, you know, patients get in a routine where they might do it first thing in the morning or at night right before bed. Um, to quickly transfer that data. It takes about two to three minutes to do. It actually takes longer for that laptop to turn on than it does to transfer the data. Um, once a week, we ask patients to hook that laptop up to the internet 
and you can transfer all your data to a computer server that your doctors can log into to see your seizure activity, how you're doing. Patients get in a routine where they do that like once a week, like every Saturday or every Sunday. It takes about two to three minutes to do. Um, when a patient uploads that information, their doctor, they, the doctor won't get a ding on their phone that, you know, Mike just uploaded information and I need to go take a look at it. What they'll do is usually like a week before an upcoming appointment, they'll go in, look at the prior months of activity and come up with any stimulation changes that they might want to make at your upcoming appointment. Using a seizure diary has been really impactful for many patients because let's say you experience a seizure, you can jot down when that seizure happened, but you can also keep track of things like um, what you were doing before that seizure happened. Like, were you stressed, anxiety, diet, lack of sleep? And you could jot that down in your diary and you could bring that with you to your follow-up appointments and you can start correlating the, the seizure activity that was recorded with the RNS system together with your input through a diary and over time, you guys might be able to start seeing patterns, seizure triggers in your life that, you know, you might be able to change or adapt something. In me, we discovered, and again, this was down in Phoenix, we discovered heat stress was a seizure trigger for me. I would never have put together that whenever it was 110 or 115 degrees out, two hours later, I would have a grand mal seizure and, you know, I would never put that together. But me coming out of those seizures, I put it down in my diary, brought it with me to my appointments, and we saw that pattern over time. So what that allowed me to do was I adapted my daily activities to where I started doing everything first thing in the morning. So by doing that, I removed a trigger from my life, which helped lower my seizure sensitivity. Um, through a diary, we also discovered uh, my diet, that every time I ate a meal, like plates of spaghetti and like half a loaf of Safeway French bread, about an hour and a half after a meal like that, I would get really tired, fall asleep, have a grand mal seizure, um, come out of it, put it down in my diary, you know, brought that with me to my appointments. And we saw that pattern over time. So what it, that enabled me to do was I adapted my diet. So I removed another trigger from my life. So each one of these little changes kind of helped lower my seizure sensitivity, I was able to step back from like the next thing that came around wasn't going to cause me to have a full-blown seizure. And so it was really useful in my overall epilepsy and wellness care by using a diary. So how long does the battery last? So the battery in, in the RNS 320 lasts on average 8.4 years on the battery. So usually you'll have about four to six months notice that we should start thinking about a replacement surgery um, for the battery. So the RNS device itself is one unit. So the battery, the computer, everything is sealed in one unit. So when they replace the battery, it's an outpatient procedure. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes to do. Um, what the surgeon will do is they will make an incision in the skin right next to the device. They will remove it from that titanium tray that it's sitting in. They'll unplug the leads and plug a new device in that has the same settings as the device they just removed, um, put it back in the tray, suture you back up, um, checking into the hospital, checking out, takes about five hours. After you get this implanted, can you actually go through you know, an MRI with it? Or what about those scanners at the airport? Like, you know, how much does it affect your life? 
Um, it doesn't affect your life anyway like that. Um, so that the RNS320 device is MRI um, compatible. So patients can get an MRI with the RNS320. Um, it is conditional, meaning that the RNS device has to be put into MRI mode. And a epileptologist who is familiar with the RNS system can put the RNS device into MRI mode. You can get your MRI done. And then after the um, scan, your device would be put back into therapy mode. As for traveling, I used to pre-COVID travel a lot. So I have a lot of experience at the airport. Um, so when I get to the gate, the TSA agent, I just tell the TSA agent um, that I have an implanted medical device. And so I bypass the very large metal detector and I just go through the full body scanner um, very quickly, very easy to go through. Airports that don't have that body scanner, um, they just do a quick wand over me. Um, traveling through the airport, if you're bringing your RNS laptop computer with you, um, you treat it just like any other laptop computer. You put it in the bin, um, you know, take it out of your backpack, put it in the bin, um, just like any other laptop. Can anybody get an RNS? So the RNS system is for patients 18 and over. Um, and it's only available at level four comprehensive epilepsy centers. So it cannot be prescribed by a community neurologist or a community hospital. They cannot do the RNS system. Um, so if you're in the community and you think that the RNS system might, you know, you meet the um, indications for the RNS system, uh, you can ask your community neurologist for a referral to a level four epilepsy center. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, um, letting me share my experiences and my story and explaining what the RNS system is. If you're interested in reaching out to NeuroPace to learn more, we have included their contact information in our show notes. Are you considering the NeuroPace RNS system as a possible treatment for your epilepsy? Or maybe you've already had it implanted? We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can always reach out to us via email at social.brainablaze.com or on Twitter at Brainablaze. If you like this episode, consider subscribing or even helping us providing advice or rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.